The biggest concern for any organization should be when their most passionate people become quiet. This quote by Tim McClure was one that I constantly kept at the top of my mind when I was leading teams and organizations. When your most highly talented, engaged people begin to disengage, you need to ask yourself why. When I was that employee feeling like I needed to disengage to find better ultimate balance for the time I was in, I chose to resign. That was the moment of my great resignation two years ago. There were others, however, contemplating similar factors, and yet each decided a different path for themselves. Let's explore these other options. Hello, I'm Nassim, and welcome to Becoming My Stronger Me, a podcast designed to help you become stronger in mind, body, and heart. Up until a few years ago, my journey was pretty linear, following a traditional path. And then, in a perfect storm of circumstances, I pivoted to pursue a more fulfilling and meaningful life. Join me as I share what I've learned about myself that has helped me to become my stronger me. Today we're going to talk about the other paths people can take when faced with a big decision in their careers, and those that have become common in the time we're living in now, this post-pandemic era. I'll admit, it's a little strange to talk about a post-pandemic era because it feels like we're still dealing with the consequences and the ramifications of the world just shifting and stopping altogether during the pandemic. But here we are. The pandemic, and now the post-pandemic era, has terms that have become more commonplace as it relates to employees and their behaviors. We talk about things like the Great Resignation, where in 2021, 47 million other Americans, like myself, decided to choose a different career or job path. We decided to resign and explore other options. We also now have terms like burnout. Well, it's not really a new term, but it's one that it's used fairly commonly now. And it was that burnout that led some of the folks to their great resignation. And it's led others to things like quiet quitting. Today, I want to hone in on this phenomenon, the phenomenon of quiet quitting. When you Google quiet quitting, a lot of information comes up. A general common definition is one that says that quiet quitting refers to those that are successfully doing the job written in their job description, but quitting going above and beyond. So they're doing the job that they were hired to do, but they're not going above and beyond that role to offer their expertise and services on initiatives or to volunteer themselves to step up and to step in to projects beyond the scope of their job description. Gallup has done a survey and they found that the proportion of actively disengaged employees continues to rise. Let me repeat. 
We're not saying that people who don't do their jobs would be put into this category of quiet quitting. Instead, we're saying that they used to go above and beyond, and now they're doing the job they were hired to do without doing the extra, without being available what feels like 24-7, without working weekends without compensation, without working evenings without compensation. Instead, they're focusing and doing the work that they were hired to do. There are plenty of articles out there right now about quiet quitting. NPR put out an article on the economics of quiet quitting. Gallup has put out an article on whether quiet quitting is even real. I'll be sure to link a variety of resources on our Facebook page, Becoming My Stronger Me podcast, or you're welcome to message me at Stronger Me on Instagram, and I'd be happy to share those resources. But in my estimation, this phenomenon, quiet quitting, has actually been one that's been around for a while. We haven't necessarily called it this or given it this kind of term because it hasn't been as prevalent as in years past. The disengagement rate is absolutely on the rise and is starting to hit levels that we haven't seen since the 1940s. But at the base of this phenomenon is the desire to do the work that we are hired to do without feeling this constant pressure to always volunteer for more, to hustle, to prove yourself. If my employer has hired me based on a job description and I do what's in that job description well, why hasn't this been enough? Why aren't we making that the norm? In my opinion, that is the question to ponder instead. A lot of the articles currently in the media are placing the blame on the employees, saying that quiet quitters are lazy. They're quiet quitting because they don't have other options. They're essentially resigning in place until they can find their next job. And there's no doubt that broader definitions of this term or the way in which various authors are using the term maybe include those that aren't meeting the minimums of their job description or aren't engaging in their jobs in a robust way or contributing to their organizations as their job descriptions would have entailed. But people who don't perform well in their job description have always been in our organizations. And there are HR processes to handle their lack of performance. So for the purposes of our discussion today, these individuals, those that are not performing well in their job descriptions, are not part of the group that I'm categorizing as quiet quitting. We've also had people in our organizations that are very clear and transparent about what they can and what they're willing to do. I remember actually in a variety of my roles, but when I was in roles that had people reporting to me directly or indirectly, or I was leading teams on a particular project, there were people who set clear boundaries on their time. They set clear boundaries on their work. They always performed well. 
they were successful in completing all the tasks that were in their responsibility and listed on their job description, all in a very professional manner. They were able to set my expectations of what they were capable of doing. And maybe that didn't align with the pressure timeframe that I was under, but we would co-create the deliverables based on the factors on the table. They would also listen to the pressures and timelines that I may be under. And in sharing, we were able to co-create deliverables and timelines. And I have found that this process not only leads to quality work, but a mutual understanding and respect of the positions and the roles and the responsibilities of the manager and supervisor and those that report to them and are engaged in the endeavors with them. So people who have reported through my teams who have just wanted to quote unquote, do their job description. My experience is when you create a climate of co-creation of mutual understanding and respect, many have wanted to do a good job. I've never felt that people should be penalized instead of rewarded for quality work and performance and contributions they were making to an organization. But what I found over the years is that the processes and systems of our organizations are rewarding those going above and beyond more so than those providing quality work in place. And as a leader, I've worked over the years to ensure that people are working from a space of passion and enthusiasm. And it's my experience when you tap into people's passion and purpose and the why of why they're in that role, they step up and they volunteer for things. They crave new experiences. And quite frankly, I was one of those people. I wanted to gain more experiences outside of my roles. I wanted to make connections across the organization. I wanted to make a difference. But as a leader, I was always mindful of burnout. And so the reason why people engaged, why they volunteered to go above and beyond was exceptionally important to me. Some people seemingly volunteer, but actually some are being voluntold. They're being voluntold and often the same ones over and over again, initiative after initiative, project after project. And maybe they desired to go above and beyond for a particular initiative and they did a phenomenal job. But that doesn't mean we have to tap into them for everything, for every project, for every initiative. It's important to give people space to continue to do well in the job they were hired to do. The job that brought them to your organization. What's in their job description? And when we tax people, the same people over and over again, we can affect their performance in their job, the position they were hired to do, 
their performance on a particular initiative, or even worse, we can begin to chip away at their morale and their sense of burnout and balance in life. And so then you're really not able to maximize their expertise and get the best out of them. A lot of people are talking about the rise of quiet quitting, and I would argue this is not new. We've been dealing with quiet quitters, and I really hate that term. I just want to pause and just comment on that. These are individuals who are not quitting. Instead, they are prioritizing the tasks and their fulfillment. They're leaning into their strengths. They're leaning into their talents and passions and prioritizing that in the time that they have committed to give to their careers and to their jobs. And if we don't find a way to compensate them for the times that they go above and beyond by choice, we won't be able to maximize their talents in the long run. So how do we find a way to truly reward with actual value, the efforts and the outcomes, reward individuals for stepping up periodically, not all the time. And when they step up periodically and do a good job, don't then tap them for everything in the future. In this way, we can all win. So individuals in this group, I would argue are not quiet quitting. They are setting boundaries. Let me talk about this phenomenon of quiet quitting, at least as I understand it, from the perspective of the organization. And I'm only gonna provide a few thoughts here. I think organizations over time, at least in the sectors that I've worked in, have gotten away with job creep. They have valued going above and beyond as the standard, not the exception as opposed to valuing excelling in the job that you're hired to do. And if that job is shifting as an organization grows and evolves over time, why is the job not being periodically reevaluated? Not just in writing additional roles and responsibilities in, but also scaling the compensation appropriately. This vagueness of the job description the umbrella terms and roles and responsibilities that are maintained, the carte blanche for organizations to put anything they want in these job descriptions. We need to get away from that. We are not doing anyone any service as an organization by burning out our same go-getters, the people who volunteer all the time for the extra. Instead, Organizations need to stay tapped in to the why and to the how our projects and initiatives in our work are connected to our employees and their roles and responsibilities. My experience is that these are not separate, even though sometimes employees may see them as separate. Most of the time, the work we're doing to evolve and grow organizations in places and spaces are very much connected to the work we hired our employees to do. But we don't talk about these initiatives and projects this way. We might say we got a grant to do X, Y, and Z, and therefore we need volunteers to come together as a team. 
Instead, we need to say, this work that we got a grant for to do X, Y, and Z is connected to an intentional subset of individuals connected to their job descriptions and their responsibilities. And we want to bring those experts to the table to ensure that we grow and evolve in that particular space. That way, when people volunteer, when people engage, when they go above and beyond, it's not extra. It can come from a place of passion, of fulfillment, of contribution to the greater good. If what I've described in this phenomenon of quiet quitting is you, if you feel like over the past few years or whatever timeline is most appropriate for you, it feels that you are gradually either intentionally or unintentionally beginning to disengage from your organization, from your role, ask yourself why. Why are you not feeling like you're able to stay engaged? Why are you not feeling fulfilled in the role that you're in? Are you working in your ultimate why? Are you working in your purpose? Are you making the impact that you are wanting to make? Are you contributing in the way that you want to contribute? If you're not sure about the answers to these questions, take some time to reflect. If you're listening to these questions and in your mind you say, no, I'm not working in this space. What are your barriers? What will help you work from a place of passion and purpose? If you are a manager or a supervisor or overseeing a team and you are witnessing quiet quitting, ask yourself, how can I help readjust the climate and the expectations? How can I shift the narrative? How can I be more transparent in the connection of the work that we're doing and the people that you need to go a little bit extra above and beyond? Are you taking the time as a supervisor or a manager to explain why? Why in a way that people can truly understand the impact that they can have? If this is happening on your team, when was the last time you reviewed the job descriptions of the people on your team, especially those that might be experiencing quiet quitting in the moment? Are you listening? Are you asking for genuine feedback and then authentically receiving it and processing and reflecting? Ask yourself these questions. Your team will thank you. You might not be able to re-engage those that are way too far along on their quiet quitting journey for themselves, but you might be able to save others from becoming quiet quitters. When I was doing research on quiet quitting as a topic, one that I've been thinking a lot about as people have been reaching out to me since the podcast started, and even before, to talk about their own careers and what they might be feeling in the roles that they're in now. 
some of them even ask for the possibility of some life path exploration, coaching, and mentoring. And if this is you, I'd be happy to share information on some opportunities. Please just reach out. But when I was doing research on quiet quitting, I came across a number of resources sharing with people how to quiet quit effectively. I was shocked. A how-to for employees on quiet quitting. As a previous manager and supervisor of large teams, a manager of projects, I knew that when I started seeing my passionate people, my talented people, my experts in their space, not engaging, I knew something was wrong. If you are on the cusp of quiet quitting, or if you're quiet quitting now, please don't resign in place. This will not solve your problems. Staying resigned in place will not create additional fulfillment, especially if you're used to being someone who is fully engaged, who used to find connections and value, feeling fulfilled by engaging in additional projects that keep things interesting, that make a difference in the spaces that you're in. And having opportunities to grow and to learn from these experiences. By resigning in place, or now we're calling it quiet quitting, it won't give you that value. It will not provide satisfaction. It may, for a short period of time, create a seemingly better work-life balance. But there's also value in periodically, and not always, going above and beyond, accepting a challenge here or there that pushes you to be a little uncomfortable, to grow, to make connections across the organization that maybe your job description doesn't allow you to do. Organizations benefit from people cycling through this quote, going above and beyond cycle to make those stronger cross-department collaborations and relationships. And I would encourage organizations to really look at who you're tapping into for things. And if you're tapping into the same people over and over and at what cost. I know this episode hasn't really been about me and my journey necessarily, but I understand that there are commonalities across our journeys and how we may be feeling in our roles and how we might be handling them very differently. There's value in leaning in to our community, regardless of the directions you're taking for yourself and supporting one another through all the different ways we are handling this moment. So whether you're still engaged in your job and super happy and fulfilled, you add value to our conversations. You might be like me. You may have or still be a part of the great resignation and are crafting and creating your next chapter. Your experiences are valuable to our community. Maybe you're someone who has resigned in place or is currently quiet quitting as we're now calling it. Your experience adds value to our community. We may also have those that have found their balance. They've maintained their balance all along. You add value to our community. 
Join me in the Becoming My Stronger Me Facebook group as we talk about questions and reflections from this episode, or send me a message on Instagram at StrongerMe, sharing your story, your questions, your reflections. I'd love to hear from you. Let's learn from each other and build a supportive community so that you can become your stronger you.